And for those of you maybe who have come in late and those of you maybe who aren't able to be here this morning but are joining us online, next Sunday at 11 o'clock we will all be together in the main sanctuary. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to have uh, Justin maybe posted at the door just as a reminder for those of you who, who are showing up here, and he'll just point you to the main sanctuary. As Jeff said, it's not a scary place. Uh, it's a beautiful place, and, and there, is, there are a couple times a year where we as a church feel like it is an, important enough for us to gather together as one body, and I cannot think of anything more important than celebrating the journey of the lives of some of our students who have said yes to life with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we will celebrate that together next week uh, at 11 o'clock in our main sanctuary. Uh, this, this morning is, is a standalone uh, Sunday for us, and, and that means that we are in between uh, series. And, and we do that for a couple of reasons. One, it gives us an opportunity to catch our breath after one series before we begin another. Um, but, it, but it's also just to, to give us an opportunity over the course of the year. We had a standalone uh, Sunday back in January where we remembered the Lord's baptism, and we were invited to remember our own baptism. And then after our, our series, which will begin next week, uh, we will celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, uh, and consider what it means that we are, we are still a part of that move, movement that is God's growing kingdom in this world, and one of the chief means by which God um, introduces people and invites people into his kingdom is through the work of the church. And so um, those are a, a couple of examples. This morning, uh, we have an opportunity to consider healing and what that might mean and, and have a service of healing. Now, um, just at, at the outset, I feel like I need to say when you hear those words, healing service, or when you hear anointing uh, for healing, like if you have any bit of Pentecostal background, then the Pentecostal and you just woke up and you're like, all right, I game on. Like I, I keep my anointing oil with me just in case. I've got my shofar in the car and, and my spirit flags. I'll go get those and we can, we can go all in on this. Uh, and see what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Others of you who maybe have had a bad experience uh, with something like that, or you're just not even sure about church, you're like, all right, when is a good opportunity for me to take a long visit to the bathroom? Because I, I don't know if I want to be in here um, you know, for that. Uh, my, my hope is that, that what you hear above everything else is that this is not about a spectacle. It is about an, an, an opportunity for us to recognize our own brokenness and our own need, to recognize that that levels the playing field, that every single person in this room has need of the healing touch of Jesus, whether it is emotional, whether it is physical, whether it is spiritual, whether it is in relationship, whatever it may be. We all have this deep need, and we have an opportunity this morning to lay ourselves before the one who knows us intimately and who loves us more than you can imagine, and, and to just say, God, we, 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 we are desperate for what you, only you, can do in our lives. So, so just, just know that, that this is not about a show. It is about just creating, about naming the need and creating and, and providing space for God to work and for the Holy Spirit um, to work. Uh, and, and I'm just excited that, that we get to, to journey in, in that together. It is one of the things that, that marked the early church. It's one of the things that marked the ministry of Jesus, as we will see this morning. Uh, but the early church, after Pentecost, after we read one of my favorite passages in all of Acts, Acts 2, 42 through 47, that describes the, the, the nature and the DNA of the life of the early church, we then see Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, they're, they're about to go into the temple courts, and there's a, a man there who has been lame since birth, and he's, he's asking for, for money, and, and Peter says, uh, he, he, he you know, asks for this man's attention, and, and this man looks at them thinking he's going to get something, and I love the way that Luke writes that. 
he, he thinks he's going to get, you know, a, like a, a financial, like a gift, you know, some money. And, and Peter gives him something entirely different when he says to the man, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And this man feels the strength come into his legs and he stands up and he walks and he doesn't just walk. But then as they go, you know, before the religious leaders, like I just imagine it's like, you know, like if you have a child who's very excited about something and you're trying to hold their hand, but it's really like, it's like trying to hold a badger or something like they're just, they're, he's just all over the place. And Peter's probably like, just oh, settle down. Like we're, you know, we're, this, we're before the, like these are the guys and this man does not care. He is da- dancing and, and, and jumping around. And then we see examples uh, like in Paul's life where Paul asks for God to heal him of something and, and God chooses not to uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, so so the, the ministry of healing is something that has been a part of the story of the church. And maybe some of you have experienced miraculous healing in your own uh, life. We have seen God uh, bring healing to, to people that we know and love. We've seen it in our own uh, family. But maybe some of you are, are walking with a limp because God chose not to heal in the way that, uh, that you asked him to. And our hope and prayer is that this morning you will recognize that there are a number of ways in which Jesus can heal that might not be the very thing that we are asking for. So uh, with that in mind, we'll be in Luke chapter 5. And if you would, um, in honor of the reading of God's Word, we're going to look at Luke 5, 12, uh, 12 and 13 will be on the, uh, on the screen, but I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, through 16 just for a little bit more context here. Luke records uh, for us that while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Remember last uh, week, I talked about if you want something as we are, are... Wrapping up, uh, you know, we're, we are well into spring now, and, and last, last week we were in spring, but, but winter was, was still hanging on here in the high country. But if you're looking for something to read as you're, you're kind of stepping into a new season, I encourage you to read Luke and then just flip over and read the, the, the book of Acts, because the same author wrote both of these, these books. And one of the things that, that is often um, thought to be true of Luke is that he, he had some medical knowledge. He was a, phys- a physician or a doctor or just had some medical knowledge based on the way that Luke describes some of the things that he describes and, and the, way that he, the way that he talks about, for example, healing. So he introduces us here to this man who we read was covered with leprosy. And, and Luke is, is describing, he could have just said this man who had leprosy or this man who was a leper, but, but make sure that we understand and the people who were reading this, uh, his first audience, that they understood that this man was covered 
with leprosy. Now, anyone from with a, any sort of, of religious background or people that were Jewish by birth would have understood immediately what this meant uh, for this man. And in order for us to appreciate that, we have to go back uh, to Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third uh, book in the Bible. And, and if you want to do some of your own uh, homework, you can read just for a little light reading, Leviticus uh, chapter 13. Uh, the heading in my Bible is regulations about defiling skin diseases. So just a little, you know, pick me up Sunday afternoon reading. Uh, we're just going to look at Leviticus uh, chapter 13, beginning with verse 45. Anyone with such a defiling disease, leprosy would have been that, must wear torn clothes. They must take on the appearance of, of a beggar, of someone who is poor and in need. They must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. I had the opportunity some time ago to go and and be a part of a a panel discussion or um, an opportunity to, to learn and to hear about uh, mental illness, particularly mental illness in our own community. And one of the folks who shared, uh, who, who dealt with mental illness, was asked the question, if you could tell people one thing, what would it be? And, and they were very quick to respond. Like they didn't even have to think about this response. Clearly this was something that they had thought about a great deal. If you could tell people one thing, what, what would it be? And the response was that I am not my disease. That I am, I, am a, I am a person who is sick, but I am not my sickness. I am not my disease. I am not my illness. And, and gosh, don't we want that to be true for any of us who deal with some sort of ailment or some sort of illness or, or, or people that we know, that loved ones that we have that, that have that don't we want that to be true, that we don't define people by the way that they are sick or the manner in which they are sick or whatever illness they may have? For this man in Luke chapter 5 and for anyone with leprosy, they absolutely would have been defined by their disease. This man was defined by his disease based on the religious regulations that existed around leprosy. Now, part of the idea of separating this man from society was that they want to they want to keep the rest of society healthy. That doesn't at all sound familiar, does it? In this day and age in which we find ourselves. But but also it was believed that because this man had a disease, maybe there was sin in his life that was unrepented or undealt with, uh, that that he had come in contact with something that was defiling, and and as a result, he could not be around people that he would in fact defile others by his mere presence. And so that is why you you hear that that lepers had to live, we call them leper colonies, They, they lived secluded and separated from society and from culture. And if they were ever in a situation where they were around people, then they were given this directive that they must yell out, they must announce their presence by yelling out, unclean, unclean. And, and this could have been anything from a, a, like a, a, a skin-wasting disease in which they literally, like they, they begin to lose um, appendages and begin to lose, like your hand might cease to be. And all you would be left with is a painful nub where your hand once was. Or, uh, again, Leviticus 13 is very specific on this. So, you know, I mean, thankfully now, like when we we don't, you know, in in our adolescent years and when we're all suffering through the cruelty of, of, 
you know, puberty and, and we're dealing with, you know, with, with acne or, or whatever, we don't have to go before the high priest and say, could you examine me because I'm, I'm worried that this might be, you know, leprosy. And we don't have someone pronouncing over us, oh, gosh, sorry, yeah, puberty has not been kind to you. You have to live like sequestered from the rest of, uh, you know, from the rest of the world. And when you are in the presence of people, you have to yell out, unclean, unclean. And, and yet there are places in the world where this is still very much true. Still very much the case. But I also think that there are things that we deal with that make us want to withdraw. That, that when we are in the presence of people make us feel like if you only... If you only knew the thing that I am carrying, if you only knew the sickness that I find myself suffering under, and again, that sickness doesn't have to be physical, it could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be the sickness of, of, of sin in our lives. Some of us feel like, yeah, it would probably be better if I just walked around yelling, unclean, unclean. We, we find ourselves worried that we may be found out and yet what we see in this man is that that is not his concern in this moment. He is not worried about being found out. He is not worried about what society thinks of him. He is desperate and clinging to the hope that Jesus can do something about his condition. His sickness is not just physical. Leprosy wasn't just a physical sickness. It was a social Sickness. It was a psychological sickness. It was a spiritual sickness because people who dealt with this particular disease had to live lives separated from everyone else. Try to imagine what it must have been like. The one place that you felt like, if, if I could just turn to God, to be convinced that there's no place for you there because of the disease that you have. Or if I could just be with family, if I could just be in the presence of people that I know love me and care about me, and yet you have been told that you are not allowed to be anywhere near people that love you. You have been removed from society. The weight, the toll that that begins to take on us emotionally, the toll that that would begin to take spiritually. Maybe some of you have felt that because of something in your own life that you have carried and have dealt with. To feel like, I just, I just want to talk to someone. I just need to tell someone about it. And yet I am so afraid of what the response is going to be. I'm so afraid of, of, of the way that people are going to, the fact that it might change the way they think about me. If I'm honest and if I tell them about this, this burden or this infirmity that I am carrying. This, this man is clearly desperate because he, he breaks all of the rules to go and place himself at the feet of Jesus. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he didn't yell out, unclean, unclean. He didn't turn and walk the other way and hope would je that Jesus would notice him. No, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. In Mark chapter 1, when Mark records a, um, a similar interaction that Jesus has with a leper, some translations say 
filled with compassion, Jesus says, I am willing. He reaches out and touches the man and says, be clean. Filled with compassion. The thing that Jesus was full of is the thing that came spilling out in the presence of this man who had nowhere else to turn, who had likely exhausted all other options and who found himself very much alone with no hope in the world. Maybe he's heard about Jesus and he's heard about some of the things that Jesus has begun to do or even just the way that Jesus teaches and the authority with which he proclaims the word of God. And and he, and he thinks... Maybe, just maybe, Jesus can can do something for me. And so he is willing, driven by hope, not just desperation, but driven by the hope that there is in Jesus one who can meet him where he is and who can affect his life, who can heal him. He goes and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. One of the things that we learn from this man is the importance of humility. Right when we are dealing with some ailment or sickness in our life, whether that is a, a sickness of, of sin or whether that is an actual physical sickness or, or emotional or sickness of relationship, whatever it may be, but the importance of humility. This world in which we live, our culture in particular, convinces us that we have to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and figure out a way to get through it, to get beyond it, to live with it, to ignore it. And yet what we see in this man is someone who says, I I don't have anywhere else to turn, and so I'm willing literally to throw myself face down on the ground at the feet of Jesus. But when we do that, we are placing ourselves before the one who is full of compassion. The thing that Jesus is full of is the thing that comes spilling out in this moment, and that is true of all of us. The thing that you are full of is the thing that will come out. Jesus, in one of his teachings, says it's not the things that enter a man that makes them unclean. It's the things that come out of them that make them unclean. Right? Out of what the heart is full of, we speak. And, and we all have our moments. Right? But, I, but I wonder if, because one of the things that, that we will be faced with is in, in receiving our, our own healing and placing ourselves in humility before the Lord and asking for healing and in and, and being the church and being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, we also have to reckon with the fact that we are invited, we are called to be willing to step into the brokenness of the people around us. And if you have people in your life who are presenting themselves in a place of need before you, what is your response? Is it one of compassion? Or is it a response of frustration? Or is it a response in which you say, hey, look, you, you made that bed, you got to lie in it. Or you dug that hole, you got to figure out a way to get out of it. You, you put yourself in that situation. Or is it a response of like, I, I just, I don't, I'm too busy, I don't have the time, you, that you're a, that's a nuisance to me. Listen, if that is what our heart is full of, if that is the thing that we are responding with, then, then maybe that reveals something to us about the place that we need healing touch. Because if we are called to be a reflection of Jesus in this world, that is not a reflection of Jesus. 
Maybe we would take on the posture that is heard the saying before, I'm just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find food. My life has been transformed by the love of Jesus. I don't always live into that perfectly. I don't always live into that beautifully. But, but my hope and my desire is that I do it in a way that is a reflection of him to the people around me. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are called to be as the church. I am willing, Jesus says. And then he does something that is absolutely outside of the bounds of what is correct in this moment. As much as it was wrong for this man to come and bring himself before the feet of Jesus, what Jesus does in response, moved by compassion, he doesn't say, okay, you stay there, I'm going to back up, and then I'm just going to pronounce healing upon you. Yo, you're clean. You're good. Instead, Jesus reaches out and touches the man. I, I think that we discount the, the power of touch. Imagine what it was like for this man to be touched. We don't know how long he has suffered from this disease. But for however long it has been, there's no embrace of his family, no touch of a loving spouse, no touch of a loving parent, no embrace of a child if they are a parent themselves. Forced to live alone. Imagine. What that touch communicated to that man. You are loved. You have worth. You are someone. Jesus reaches out and touches the man and says, be clean. And immediately, in that moment, the man is made clean. I love this quote that I found this week regarding Jesus' touch of this man and his willingness to enter into this man's isolation and his shame. It reads, just as one cannot forgive without appearing to condone the very sin they are forgiving, neither can one help a leper without entering the colony. In Jesus' willingness to touch this man, he enters into this man's isolation and this man's shame and enters into, as it were, the colony in which this man has begun to exist or who has been forced to exist. Jesus doesn't stand at a distance, although we know that he can. And, and the way that this man approaches him, it's not a question of Jesus' power. He doesn't say, if you are able, you can make me clean. He approaches Jesus in humility and says, if you're willing... You can make me clean. And, and I think this is where we begin to go a little bit wrong when we consider this ministry of healing. Right? Maybe you, you've lived in this tension of, do I, do I pray and, and tell God, like, if it's your will, would you do this? Or, or maybe you, you've been taught that, no, you, you, you approach God with boldness and you say, you don't leave room for, for there to be God's will. You just, you just pray and believe that something is going to happen in your life. 
that God is going to answer that prayer the way that you want. I believe that God calls us to make bold prayers and to pray in faith. But we have to be careful not to become convinced that because something didn't happen in our lives the way that we wanted to, it all of a sudden means that our faith isn't strong enough or that we didn't pray hard enough, or that we we don't know enough Scripture, or we're not close enough to God, because then if that becomes the case, all of a sudden the work of healing is our responsibility, and it is in our hands. And that is not the case. We can be used to bring healing in the lives of people. People can be used in our own lives to bring healing, but it is always, only, ever a work of God. Now, maybe God gives wisdom to people who are able to bring healing. We've been given the gift of, of modern medicine and know things that, that, that before, even generations ago, we did not know about the human body. When our youngest was very sick following her birth, we were amazed at the number of God's people that God had in the medical field. And the number of times a doctor would walk into a room and tell us what was going on, and then after they did what they were needed to do as a doctor, said, hey, would you mind if I pray for you? Would you mind if I pray for your child? But even in that, to me, I just see humility. I've worked hard, I've studied, I have this wisdom, but it's, it's a gift from God. And ultimately, it's God that we want to see work in this situation. This man is not questioning Jesus' ability, but in humility, he's placing himself before him and saying, if you're, if you're willing, if, if this is how this should play out, then I know that you can make me clean. I'm willing, Jesus says, touches him. It says, be clean. Sometimes we come to God with those prayers and, and we ask very specific, for God to do very specific things in our lives or in the lives of people that we love. And that prayer is not answered the way that we ask it to be answered. Healing doesn't come in the way that we wanted to see healing come. And we end up instead remembering this person who was once a part of our lives because their sickness or their illness or whatever it is has taken them. Does it mean that God is any less loving? Does it mean that God is any less powerful? No. To this day, one of the greatest examples I I believe I've ever seen of someone desiring and longing for healing is our, our friend Jay Miller. He used to be a part of our congregation here. He's diagnosed with esophageal cancer and from the beginning. And not that he didn't wrestle, not that he didn't have to work through what, what it mean to be a follower of Jesus with this diagnosis, with the prognosis that he was given. Jay said, I'm going to pray boldly for healing. Absolutely, I want God to heal me. But because he believed this, his eternity with Jesus didn't begin the moment that his life here was over. He believed that he was already living in that eternity. He said, I'm going to be healed one way or the other. Whether God chooses to heal me on this earth by by doing something miraculous or whether he chooses to make me whole by bringing me home, God is going to receive the glory. And Jay spent the remainder of the time that he had inviting people to step into the hope that he had as a follower of Jesus. And it was one of the most beautiful, courageous things I have ever witnessed and gotten to walk alongside. And the number of lives that this man touched 
because of the way that he approached this prayer and this longing for healing. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The sufferings that we experience in this world are, are but a temporary moment in the great scope of eternity. And sometimes, like Paul, as I said when we began, sometimes we ask God to bring healing or ask God to remove something from our lives. And we plead with the Lord to do it. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, in order to keep me from being conceited, this is verse 7, I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what this thorn in the flesh Paul dealt with was. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And it would be, we would be hard-pressed to find someone with greater faith than Paul. So it's not a question of his lack of faith. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Other places, Paul talks about our light and momentary troubles. Maybe God chooses not to answer our prayer for healing in the way that we would want. But what God is after is a wholeness of who you are a wholeness in your ability to trust him no matter what, a wholeness in your ability to remain humble before him and say, whatever you choose to allow me to walk with, I am willing to walk with it because I know that I'm not walking alone. Because I know, as Paul says, that your grace is sufficient, that in my weakness, there's something about what you are able to do that you might not do if you were to take this thing from me. We should pray and ask boldly for God to bring healing. But in the same way that this man humbled himself before Jesus, humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, it is your will that I want to be done because what I want more than anything else is for you to be glorified in my life. It's when we are willing to take that posture that we then become effective in the lives of other people. Jesus said to this man, hey, you need to go and, and tell the priest. You need to then follow uh, what, what the law says because Jesus wanted to restore this man to a place in society. If he had just come back and said, hey, so I, met, I ran into this guy, Jesus, and he healed me, so now I'm good, right? They would have said, whoa, we have some ideas about Jesus, so no, uh, anything that he does is invalid. But instead, he would be forced to go and be before the high priest or be before the religious leader and for like eight days be in this man's presence so that by the end of eight days, this man cannot deny what Jesus has done. Do we live our lives in such a way that, that 
it cannot be not denied that Jesus has gotten a hold of us, that Jesus has brought healing where healing needed to be brought. And if Jesus hasn't brought healing in the way that we wanted healing, that we live in such a way that there is this enduring hope which we are offering to the people around us who would look at our lives and look at our circumstances and say, your hope doesn't make any sense. And you say, you're right, it doesn't make any sense in this world. But in God's kingdom, it makes a lot of sense. Let me tell you about Jesus who touched me and who healed me and who called me to live a new life. Jesus is always willing and able to give us hope beyond what we can see right in front of us. His desire is to bring wholeness and healing in our lives. The cross and an empty tomb isn't just a promise for something that will happen to us in the future. It's about hope in which we can live right now hope of the cross and the resurrection transformed the lives of these men that gave their life to following Jesus. They counted it a blessing when they suffered because it felt they felt like it helped them to know Jesus more deeply. We're going to invite you in just a moment to come and to receive if you want Mark, take oil and mark the sign of the cross on your forehead and pray a blessing over you that God would touch and heal whatever broken places exist in your life that you may be able to experience the wholeness of Jesus that he makes possible. If you want to just receive that blessing and that anointing, you can come uh, down front and Johnny and I will be here and, and we'll offer that for you. But if you'd like prayer over something specific in your life, if you feel like, no, I, like I want to specifically name the thing and, and have someone pray healing over this thing in my life, then uh, Jeff, Pastor Jeff and, and Gwen Stevens will be available um, here by the cross. You can come and sit and pray with them. There's also space for if you just want to come and sit by yourself and pray at the foot of the cross, then uh, we open that up to you. Nothing is impossible with God. May we be a people who are open to the healing touch of Jesus. And then as those who have been touched by the great physician, may we be a people who then are willing to go into the world and recognize the brokenness in the lives of people around us and not wait for them to come to us, but to go to them. May ours be a ministry of presence. May ours be a ministry in which we enter into people's brokenness and isolation, that we might be a reflection of Jesus for them. May we then be a people who are willing to bang on the doors of heaven for healing and wholeness on behalf of the people that God has brought into our midst. Let me pray for us and pray over the oil which we will receive this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful for this picture that you give us in Revelation of a day when there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more death, because death will have been swallowed up in victory. It's a picture of this world as it was intended to be. We confess to you that, that life between the garden at the beginning and the garden of 
of your return when you establish forever on this earth your kingdom. We, we confess to you that life between the two gardens is really difficult. And that every day we feel the effects of the brokenness of this world. And some of us in this place, God, have our own brokenness that we carry. Maybe it is an actual diagnosis, something that we are infirmed with. Maybe it's just the effect of sin in this world or sin we've allowed to remain in our lives. God, would you take the time by your Holy Spirit to reveal to us those places where we need healing? Would you bring us to this place of desperate hope and humility where like the man that came before Jesus, we would come before you and ask, God, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Would you give us the faith to trust that whatever way you choose to touch us is meant for your glory and is meant for our good, that we might be a people who takes healing to this world around us. God, would your spirit be poured out on this oil which we will receive? Would it represent for us a touch of healing and wholeness? We thank you that you receive us in our brokenness, that you enter into it with us work to make us whole.